this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode a new government headed by shahbaz sharif has taken power in pakistan and foreign minister bilawal bhutto zardari has called for reopening dialogue with india the bilateral dialogue has hit many potholes since india and pakistan agreed to use this route to settle their differences in simla 50 years ago in july 1972 differences between the two countries after india altered the status of jammu and kashmir in august 2019 have meant that the bilateral relationship including trade is at a standstill contacts at the level of national security advisers have however taken place can pakistan and india pick up the threads of a formal dialogue again to discuss this issue i have with me tca raghavan former indian high commissioner to pakistan welcome to the in focus podcast mr raghavan thank you thank you for inviting me mr raghavan you know with your vast experience as an indian diplomat who's dealt with pakistan not just as high commissioner but as joint secretary looking after the pakistan desk in new delhi and earlier as deputy high commissioner what is your sense of where the relationship between the two countries is at currently well currently the relationship is deadlocked in part because of the internal turmoil in pakistan which uh, sucks out all the oxygen of the room and leaves really very little space for the government to maneuver uh, with regard to foreign policy initiatives and secondly because of numerous developments which have taken place in the last 3 uh, or 4 years which have really acted as uh, major stumbling blocks in uh, picking up the threads again for any kind of india pakistan engagement uh, process so i would say things are at a impasse and this is uh, an impasse which is uh, in part political in part Uh, geopolitical but also in part strengthened by the inward focus in both countries because of the impact of the pandemic uh, and related issues however we've seen uh, contacts with the national security advisers which uh, possibly led to uh, you know a recommitment to the ceasefire so how would you make this distinction i mean is there a formal dialogue is it necessary to improve the relationship or you know can back channel contacts continue well back channel contacts have a certain role because they enable uh, a discussion without the glare of publicity without public expectations coming into play uh, so certainly back channel uh, contacts have a role to play and if they played a role in the ceasefire that was a, a good initiative uh, but the fact is that uh, with india pakistan relations you also need a, a broader process to strengthen any kind of political or diplomatic initiative it's uh, not possible for agreement to be cooked up behind closed doors and then presented as a fait accompli because the public in both countries is uh, deeply engaged in all aspects of the relationship so the back channel while important also has to be accompanied by a broader political process and also a civil society process for uh, some kind of sustainable process 
to be uh, there. Mr. Raghun, uh, you know, you, you've not only been a diplomat, uh, but you, you've looked at uh, India-Pakistan relations in a new book as well. On July uh, 2nd, 1972, India and Pakistan, that is uh, Prime Minister Indira Gandhi and Zulfikar Ali Bhutto signed the similar agreement. And specifically, uh, it spoke of the importance of the bilateral route to settle differences between India and Pakistan. Would you say 50 years later that the bilateral route, in a sense, has failed the two countries? Well, I don't think the bilateral route has uh, failed because in any case, in neighboring country relationships, bilateralism is uh, the major track for any uh, diplomacy uh, to take place. Uh, Neighboring country relationships are very complicated the world over, and especially so in uh, South Asia. I think the the problem arises in terms of how we define success and failure. It is uh, nobody's case that India and Pakistan can uh, have agreements which would mean that all issues will be resolved between them. It doesn't work like that in the real uh, world. I think relations between India and Pakistan will always be characterized with with friction, will be problem or trouble prone, uh, and they will always have ups and uh, downs. I don't think there is a magic bullet or a silver bullet which will resolve all uh, issues. Bilateralism provides a way of imparting greater stability to that uh, relationship. So the question is, could we try to have a more stable relationship while accepting that it will never be a problem-free or trouble-free relationship. So in that sense, I think bilateralism has a certain potential which has been used effectively at certain times and at other times has not been so effective. So I think currently we are at a phase of a downturn in India-Pakistan relations, but that is by no means to say that an upturn will not follow at some stage. Mr. Agwan, the Indus Waters Treaty, which was signed by uh, Ayub Khan and Jawaharlal Nehru in Karachi in 1960, that was brokered by the World Bank. And despite calls, uh, you know, especially in India, to abrogate the treaty, we have seen that it has stood the test of time. So is it that uh, India and Pakistan need a third party, you know, to sort of cement agreements uh, between them? Well, in certain cases, you third party or mediatory roles or an international framework can be helpful. But the Indus Waters Treaty was in the nature of an engineering solution to a particular political problem which had emerged after 1947 about how do you manage the existing irrigation and flood control uh, infrastructure with the new political realities after the partition. So that engineering solution was brokered by the World Bank, but it was nevertheless at the core of it still a bilateral uh, initiative. Uh, At that time, it was felt that involving the World Bank would uh, give a certain respectability to uh, the Indian and Pakistani bilateral efforts and also make it easier to sell to the domestic political opinion uh, in both countries. But the core of it is still a bilateral uh, agreement. And After the treaty was signed, the role of the World Bank has become a somewhat minimal role because the implementation of the treaty remains with India uh, and uh, Pakistan. 
So yes, while a certain third party role was envisaged in the Indus Waters Treaty, but that is by no means to say that there is a larger than life profile which can be accorded to third party mediations in India-Pakistan context because bilateral efforts are not working. I think to draw that conclusion would be wrong. Mr. Raghun, to come to the present, uh, the new Pakistani foreign minister, Bilawal Bhutto Zardari, uh, you know, last month, that's in June, he called for a resumption of dialogue between India and Pakistan. What is your sense? Uh, are these remarks to be taken seriously? And do you think uh, there could be a response from New Delhi on this? Well, I think there should be a response. Although, as I said in the beginning, realistically, the domestic situation in Pakistan as is such that we should not have very high expectations of a major political initiative uh, fructifying at this uh, stage, which is not to rule it out because the unexpected plays a very big role in India-Pakistan situations and has always uh, done so. But right now, the domestic situation in Pakistan is such that we can't expect any major initiatives uh, to emerge. But certainly the fact that the ceasefire uh, has been holding, the fact that you have reasonably positive statements coming out with greater frequency following the change in government in Pakistan, these certainly impart a greater degree of, uh, if not normalcy, greater degree of sanity to the bilateral relationship. The tension levels uh, have uh, come down uh, significantly. And that is a good uh, basis to see as to what can happen in the future once there is a greater measure of internal stability in Pakistan. So what is your sense now? I mean, uh, you know, we also have uh, the United Arab Emirates, uh, you know, claiming that uh, they have been involved in mediating between India and Pakistan. There's been a statement on record by the UAE ambassador to the United States to that effect. Do you think that countries like the UAE, I mean, given that, you know, both India and Pakistan have good relations with them, can they play a role in uh, bringing down tensions or, you know, even mediating as is being claimed uh, by the UAE uh, itself? Well, one doesn't know how much uh, significance to impart to such uh, statements. Whenever there is an absence of direct engagement between India and Pakistan, there have always been this kind of talk that one or the other countries are playing a role or have played a role uh, in bringing about an extent of thaw or in bringing about some contacts. My own impression is that India and Pakistan understand each other quite well. And if the conditions are right, there is nothing stopping them from engaging directly with each other. If the conditions are not right, there is very little an external entity can do in bringing about that kind of contact or that kind of a process because uh, India-Pakistan issues are not a clinical diplomatic issue. There are all kinds of uh, domestic political uh, factors and emotions which are tied up with it. So the how to find the right mix of uh, conditions, that is always uh, the challenge. When those conditions are right or when political capital is invested domestically in both countries to creating those conditions, you find that the engagement process does not take long to begin. 
So should we discount what the UAE is saying on this matter? And clearly this came, uh, you know, after, you know, a recommitment was made to the ceasefire. I don't know the specifics of the case. As I said, whenever something like this happens at a time of otherwise uh, high tension, and certainly the ceasefire was a major breakthrough at a time when relations otherwise appeared frozen, there will be many claims as to how one or the other party facilitated that development. How much weightage to assign to these claims is a different matter. They may not be wrong, but how much weightage we accord to them is a different uh, matter. My sense is that the ceasefire came about at that particular time because it was very evidently in the interest of both India and Pakistan to reduce the kind of tactical skirmishing which was taking place ceaselessly uh, on the LOC. There was a self-evident interest for both sides. And therefore, how they came together was just a question of the tactical moment. Uh, maybe it was arrived at through some back-channel contacts, as you mentioned. Maybe it was arrived at through the conversations which regularly take place between the military headquarters of both countries through the DG uh, MOs. It could have happened by uh, any number of mechanisms. Maybe it happened as a combination and suddenly a number of people on both, both sides came to the same conclusion that this is in our interest and this is an opportunity to achieve this. So I personally do not give too much weightage to the external uh, factors. As I said, India and Pakistan understand each other quite well and they don't need a third party to explain the other's point of view or other's position. Mr. Raghavan, you know, you were High Commissioner when Prime Minister Modi made that, uh, in a sense, unannounced visit uh, to Lahore, in which he reached out uh, to the then Pakistani Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif. Do you feel that after a change in government uh, in Pakistan, the time is ripe for another such initiative? Well, as I said, uh, the internal political dynamics in Pakistan are quite different uh, now, because the present uh, government, although it is headed by Mr. Nawaz Sharif's party and his brother is the Prime Minister, uh, is not in the same position as Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif was in 2015 when that visit uh, took place. So whatever initiative is taken has to be taken with regard to the existing realities, political realities in uh, Pakistan today over which you have very little control. Because the fact is that there is a major internal churn underway in Pakistan with the former Prime Minister Imran Khan uh, leading the charge that there are foreign conspiracies afoot leading to interference in Pakistan's internal affairs and a sacrifice of its national interest. In that context, how an India-Pakistan initiative would play out is very difficult to gauge. It is possible that there is still space for such an initiative because one should never discount the strength of those in Pakistan who are very keen to move forward on some kind of normalization in India-Pakistan relations or greater extent of normalization. One shouldn't discount the numbers or the strength of those. But whether this is the opportune time is a you know, matter of very careful political calculation within Pakistan uh, itself. Prime Minister Modi's visit in end 2015, although it appeared like as if it had appeared out of nothing, in fact, the ground had been carefully prepared for it. 
in different ways. Just a few weeks, few days before his visit, the External Affairs Minister of India, the late Shrimati Shushma Swaraj, had visited uh, Pakistan and had had very good uh, bilateral meetings with uh, the Pakistani leadership. A few days before that, the national security advisors of both countries had met in Bangkok and also had had very good discussions. So it was not just something out of the blue. It was uh, part of a larger initiative which had been built up block by block. Whether that kind of situation exists today uh, is more difficult to say. Uh, Mr. Raghun, you, uh, you know, you've spoken a lot about the domestic situation in Pakistan and the pressures that uh, the new government faces from uh, quite an aggressive Imran Khan. But there is also a large uh, element in India which doesn't want engagement with Pakistan, which feels that dialogue is the wrong route to take. Do you think that such elements will have any influence on New Delhi's policy towards Islamabad? I think uh, these elements have always been there. There has always been a point of view in India and quite a strong point of view that any engagement process with Pakistan is a waste of time uh, because uh, there are uh, fundamental contradictions which cannot be resolved by diplomatic uh, means. And every time we embark on a process of engagement and dialogue, we are setting ourselves up for a fall. This view has been there from the 1950s itself, and it has expressed itself from time to time on uh, different India-Pakistan uh, initiatives. For instance, the Indus Waters Treaty was severely criticized in India uh, when it was uh, first concluded. Uh, and thereafter, that has also been the situation with other India-Pakistan initiatives. But the difference is that the political leadership in India has always had that initiative or that element of initiative where it could move forward, notwithstanding this particular view, because there is also a contrary view which feels that uh, it is in India's self-interest and it's in India's national interest to have more stable relations with Pakistan. So while there are these two opposing views, it does leave enough space for a strong and stable political leadership to take initiatives when it feels that the time is uh, right. So the question is therefore of judgment and of timing. And whether the present time is right for a major political initiative is uh, the real question. And my sense is that the general view is that there is too much political turmoil in Pakistan right now for the pieces to be put together for a major political initiative. Mr. Raghun, you know, it's, as I said, 50 years since the similar agreement was signed. And actually, it's 25 years this year since uh, the agreement to begin a comprehensive dialogue uh, or, you know, between India and Pakistan, the, between the foreign secretaries was signed in Madi in 1997. So what do you think the next couple of decades hold out for India and Pakistan? More of the same, in a sense? Well, in India-Pakistan relations, one should never be surprised by what happens because there is so much politics and sentiment and emotion tied up with the uh, relationship. Uh, my sense is that to some extent, we will have more of the same, that the basic pattern of India-Pakistan relations will continue to be of upswings and uh, downswings, and it will never be a trouble-free or a problem-free relationship. But uh, I think 
there will be certain uh, general pointers uh, which will lead to new uh, elements of stability uh, emerging. And these general pointers are uh, now getting uh, clearer. The pandemic gave one indication about how we need to attend in a much more focused way to non-security elements. So the pandemic, climate change, all of these have raised issues which are leading progressively larger number of people in both countries to talk about a desecuritized India-Pakistan uh, agenda where you address issues which are not inherently political or security related in nature. So I think that will be one factor which may impart, which will certainly play a larger part in India-Pakistan agendas and may therefore surprisingly end up imparting a greater extent of stability. But the basic pattern of India-Pakistan relations, which is of upswings and downswings, I don't see it altering very significantly in the next two or three decades, which is not to be excessively pessimistic, because this is in the end the norm or the pattern in all neighboring or many neighboring country relationships the world over. That what appears stable and fixed for all times in one decade can suddenly unravel uh, in the next uh, decade. Possibly, if one is optimistic, one can say that uh, there are a significantly larger number of people in both countries who are drawing rest lessons about what happens when neighboring country relationships can uh, go wrong. And for instance, the situation in Europe today between uh, Russia and uh, Ukraine really is a very good example of how neighboring country relationships can go seriously wrong and do lasting damage to both countries. So if the right lessons are drawn from what is happening in Europe, it will focus minds in India and Pakistan that they need to work uh, on how you can impart more stability in what will always remain a problem-prone or trouble-prone relationship. TCA Raghwan, uh, former Indian High Commissioner to Pakistan, thank you very much for talking uh, to the Hindus In Focus podcast. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.